Oh shit, I smoked it already. Um, give me a second, but hello and welcome to the High Wrestling Podcast. Um, I'm gonna start by addressing the elephant in the room. I am unfortunately still depressed because that is not something that goes away according to my psychiatrist. Um... But yeah, no, I'm in a phase where I feel like a human being again, and life doesn't suck. So, you know, there is that. And since I have the platform to do it, I don't have a huge platform, but I still have the platform to do it, I would like to take a minute to advocate for mental illness. I know it sounds very cliche, but like, as someone who struggles with depression, PTSD, and ADHD on a daily basis, like full-on diagnosed should be medicated for all three but I'm only medicated for one um but you yeah, know someone who struggles with mental illness on a daily basis I would like to tell you it is a fucking milestone like I'm, I'm at a point where I've just like trained my brain to a routine but my two goals every day are to make sure I hit the shower and to make sure my house is clean. Those are the only two goals I set for myself every day. And it may not sound like much, but that's the point. Like when I get in my low depressive periods, I'm lucky enough to even like hit the shower you know like I have struggled with depression my entire life both unknowingly and knowingly and there would be periods where I just you know I was I didn't know how to be a human being I didn't want to be a human being being a human being was just fucking exhausting so I'm at a point where I am learning to navigate this depression And I just, if those two things are the only two successful things that happen in a day, then I'm cool. I'm chilling. Like, the rest of the world could be falling apart, but as long as I am showered and have deodorant on, and my house is clean, I've done all I've needed to do for the day. I don't care what the fuck I've done during the day, but it's just... It's something, I don't, I don't know if that was really helpful, but it's just, like, small things like that. Like, it doesn't have to be, the solution doesn't have to be solving your mental illness, solving your depression. The solution really is learning how to navigate it, and that is an example of how I personally navigate my mental illness. It doesn't sound like much, but... It means a lot for me. Like, it's those are two huge accomplishments in my book, personally. Like, because it is hard. They're, like... I'm not going to sit up here and say that everything is going to be okay. It's all going to be rainbows and butterflies and sunshine at the end of the day. Because it's not. Because there are days where you feel like a human being... And there are days where you don't feel like a human being. I just came out of a period where it was just hard to be a human being. 
now I'm in a period where it's easy to be a human being, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be another period here soon where I'm not going to want to feel like a human being. And I'm at a point, finally, in this moment, saying it for the first time with with the uh, fact, I'm okay with the fact that I'm not always going to feel like a human being. Because what else can I do? Like, that's why I set the bare minimum for myself with those two goals, making sure my house was clean and making sure I hit the shower. Because even if it's just the bare fucking minimum of me showing up for myself, over time, you just learn to show up for yourselves in different ways and you can just add it to the list. This is not, this is all easier said than done. But this is just how I personally navigated through my years of... This is how I personally learned to navigate things through my years of mental illness. So, I'm at a point where I just live out of spite. I know that sounds counterproductive, but it's just... Living out of spite of your mental illness because there's worse things that could kill you. Like, I have three diagnosed mental illnesses. What's the worst that could really happen? Maybe it's the weed that has desensitized me to so much shit, but, like, in the grand scheme of things, if we look at the bigger picture, there are worse things that could kill me than having three mental illnesses, so I essentially live out of spite of my own brain and my own subconscious. I don't, I don't know, like, it's a weird form of confidence that I have. Because I will say, I am not confident. I am not a confident person. Like, on the surface, to those who may see me, it may seem like I am a confident person. But when I tell you, I am just really good at pretending that I'm not having a panic attack 24-7. I'm just really good at hiding Okay, let me just paint a picture for you. You remember that episode of Spongebob, Fine Dining and Breathing? Yeah. That's really what's going on behind the scenes, but I'm I'm really good at just losing my cool. But in reality, if I could just get an hour a day to just scream... That would be amazing. Personally. Obviously, I just described therapy, but you know what? Therapy is expensive. (laughs) So there is that. Um... But yeah, no, on a serious note, if you think you are struggling or you are struggling, know that you are not alone. I hate to sound so cliche, but it's just, it you gotta be annoying and repetitive until it clicks in your brain like, oh shit, like that. that's just all it is. It's just, re- like, you gotta be repetitive with shit.
and consistent with shit. So, as cliche as it does feel to say this, if you think that you're alone and going through something, you're not alone. You're listening to somebody who goes through it every fucking day, but is really good at just keeping it chill. Thankfully, because of weed. But, um... I do have other coping mechanisms as well, too. Like, it's it's all so cliche, but they... It's not like they're lying. Like, journaling? Absolutely recommend. Smoking weed? Absolutely do recommend. A, the, the two of them together? Free therapy. Also, another form of therapy for me is, um, or a form of therapy, this has really become my form of therapy over the past week, but The Sims, I don't, I don't feel like I have to explain or elaborate any further, but The Sims, another form of three, free therapy, music, another form of three, free therapy, but, um, those are my coping mechanisms. Um, it varies from person to person because everybody else has their own respective struggles and their own respective coping mechanisms. I'm not here to judge, but um, we're all going through this thing called life together. It's not fucking easy. Don't let anybody tell you this shit is easy because it's not. Nobody would be mentally ill if this shit was easy. That's probably a fucked up way to say it, but it, you get my point. If shit was easy, a lot of things would have been solved, but it's not easy, so, you know. There's worse things that could kill you. But anyway, all the wrestling side of things... This week, this episode, we are going to be talking the past two weeks, because I spent this entire weekend watching the past two weeks, like pre-elimination chamber, post-elimination chamber, the two build-up episodes, or, well, I did watch Rampage too. so everything leading up to Revolution thus far, watched all that, so we're going to be unpacking all of that. Um, also gonna be unpacking WrestleMania 39 a little bit. Um, what else we got? What else we got? Um, I did say that I was gonna watch Vengeance Day, and I did say that I was gonna watch Battle in the Valley, but I feel like I've been doing this long enough to where I can say with confidence... If I don't watch it when it happens, I probably won't watch it. And I might make that exception for Battle in the ba- Valley, because I'm still so upset tickets sold out before I could get my hands on a ticket. Because I was so hyped to go to that, but I couldn't. So I might just 
watch the replay and be emo. I'm also so sad that I can't go to um the West Coast Pro Show this Saturday, I believe. If I'm doing my calendar math right, it is this Saturday. It's not like I don't have my phone right here. But yeah, there was a West Coast Pro Show on... Yeah, it is this Saturday. There's a West Coast Pro Show on March 4th that I am unfortunately unable to go to, even though I really want to. I know, right? So devastating. It It's, it's absolutely unfortunate. I know. What she said, but yeah, no, I can't go. But the next time West Coast Pro is in Sacramento, I'm definitely going because it's easier for me to get to Sacramento than it is to get to San Francisco. And I feel like a complete asshole because I didn't realize until today to um kind of prepare people, like give everybody like a Bay Area starter pack, if you will. Because, um, you know how I always say I don't go to San Francisco unless I absolutely have to go to San Francisco? And why I am perfectly fine going to watch Revolution in theaters rather than being there in person because I forgot to warn you guys that, um, San Francisco people will break break into your cars in broad daylight. You can be sitting in your car because it happened to somebody that I know. In the Bay Area, it's not just limited to San Francisco. This is a warning to everybody coming to San Francisco for Dynamite, Revolution, what have you. Anybody coming to the Bay Area for AEW here soon, I would like to put out a warning. People will break into your car while you're sitting in your car. So, when I tell you, like, be, have your head on a fucking swivel. Because you literally never know what the fuck could happen in the city. It happened to somebody I know. Like, broke into her car while she was sitting in her car. Like, it happens in broad daylight. It's not just nighttime. Like, somebody I know also had their their car stolen. They went to a Giants game. Had their car stolen. So, keep your head on a fucking swivel if you're coming to the Bay Area for AEW shows. And now you kind of understand why I'm like, I'm not going to Revolution. Like, I'm really not going if I don't have to. And, like, something that was point pointed out to me was that the Cow Palace isn't even in San Francisco. Like, they're advertising it as San Francisco. The, Ca- the Cow Palace Dynamite. They're advertising that, like, it's San Francisco. It's fucking Daily City. That's not San Francisco. It's close to San Francisco. It's San Francisco adjacent, but it's not even San Francisco. It's Daly City. Revolution is in San Francisco because the Chase Center is in San Francisco, but the Cow Palace is in Daly City. So we got we gotta we gotta correct that 
immediately. So yeah, just just a warning. But I will be going to the Dynamite after Revolution, which I feel like is spicier than the Dynamite before Revolution. And I was going to go to that one at the Cow Palace, but I'm just like, that is so... That is such an unnecessary excursion. Like, I went to... I, I literally went to Fresno for AEW. I'm not going to fucking San Francisco for AEW. And if you're from... If you're from California... Or like... If you're from NorCal... You... You know how bad both of those cities are. Like if you're from California... In this area... In this general area... You know how bad Fresno and San Francisco are. I went to Fresno for AEW, and I'm not going to San Francisco for AEW, and San Francisco is so much closer to me. Fresno was three hours. That's how bad San Francisco is. That's how much I don't fuck with San Francisco. Like, I I will only take public transportation to San Francisco, and even that's, even that's sketch. Like... All I gotta say is, if you're coming to the Bay Area for a revolution, you better learn how to use the subway real quick. You better learn how to use that public transportation real quick. You better get a hotel within walking distance from the Chase Center. I'm telling you right now. Don't even, like, Uber or Lyft in San Francisco. Oh my god, if you want an instant migraine... First of all, don't even do that to yourself. Don't even fucking do that to yourself. I would get a hotel within walking distance. Don't even stress on an Uber or a Lyft. And if you have to, I'm so sorry. Keep your head on a swivel if you're walking. Just keep your head on a swivel if you're in San Francisco. I'm not even gonna lie. Just... Just... Yeah. Godspeed to those non-Bay Area natives coming to the Bay Area for all of the AEW events here this week. It's so, you know what's crazy to think about? I had a fake beef with Tony Cod because when I first started watching AEW, they didn't show any love to the West Coast. So I was like, this man is crazy. This man is absolutely insane. And then the first West Coast show they announced was Los Angeles. And I was like, I can forgive him for that, but he's still public enemy number one. Because Los Angeles is a... Talk about a fucking excursion. At the forum too? Fuck that. Fuck that. And then I was so stressed because... They announced Fresno, and I was like, fuck it, I'll make the drive for Fresno. The day after that, they announced San Francisco, or like, right after I had bought my tickets for Fresno, I saw they did a Sacramento show, and I was like, fuck. So, here I am. 
here I am. That's crazy, because I was complaining about how there were no West Coast AEW shows at the beginning of this podcast. But now here I am. Already been to one Dynamite Rampage. Even a Ring of Honor show that I wasn't expecting. And I'm about to go to another one. That's called Growth. And I'm for sure about to go watch Revolution in the movie theater. Because I haven't done it since All Out. Yeah. Oh shit. No. I haven't yeah, I haven't done it since All Out 2021 when CM Punk made his return match back. I haven't done it since then. So I'm probably going to do it for Revolution because I, fi- I I'm actually finally able to because every time for some reason the way that the AEW pay-per-views were set up last year I was always having to do something. So, I, re- I remember having to, like, I remember I had to go to a wedding during, um, what was it? What was it? Was it Double or Nothing when MJF made his return? I remember I had to go to a wedding that weekend, and on the drive back, I had to, I watched that pay-per-view. Yeah, it was um it was a time. I I take when I tell you I take wrestling so seriously. The WrestleMania they did in Oh god, I don't even remember years. The WrestleMania they did in uh New Orleans, not the Daniel Bryan main evented one, but um Fuck, I'm just going to have to look it up. Oh <sighs> This is so stressful. Okay, WrestleMania 34. I remember that happened like the week of or like it wasn't the week of my birthday, but it was like the weekend before my birthday, and I watched WrestleMania 34 on the way, like on my birthday trip, my 21st birthday trip. Oh no, why did I say that? Why the fuck did I say that? Holy fuck, okay, so WrestleMania 34, I watched it on the way like, to my 21st birthday trip, but in 2018, I was fucking 21, and now it's 2023, I'm about to be 26, that is crazy to think about, and what's even crazier is that not only am I about, am I, am I about to be watching, or, or not only am I about to be 26, I have been watching WWE since I was, or wrestling, Mainly WWE, but wrestling in general since I was 13. Wow. For 13 years. That's a crazy little milestone there. 
I, you know, I'm gonna rank WrestleManias around WrestleMania time. That's what I'm probably gonna do instead of. Maybe I'll still watch the WrestleMania main events, but ranking WrestleManias. That means I'll have to watch them. Ooh, okay. I got plans brewing. Um. But in terms of content, I'm still gonna rank the Royal Rumble matches. That's coming soon. Still gonna rank the WWE themes. I know I keep saying it, but I feel like the more I say it, the more motivated I am to do it. Especially if I write it down. Um, Royal Rumbles, WWE themes. I'm also going to rank my favorite horror movies. Because they all vary in levels of favoritism. So I feel like that's going to be something fun. And I also went on demand and saw that they have a bunch of horror movies that aren't on streaming. So I'm going to be having myself a little binge this week. Because I find that if I save watching wrestling for the weekend, everything is fine. It's less stressful if I save it for the weekend. What I mean by less stressful is, you know, the two hours? Two hours? Two hours long? Are you kidding me? Plus commercials? Fuck that. Fuck that. Oh, this is that's part of the reason why I watch everything on the weekend because you know I have DVR I can f- or like cable I can fast forward through shit. I wish I could. I got to sit through commercials if I watch it live. Like that shit stresses me out. But um, speaking of wrestling, let's just get into everything. So I have a little munchie update actually. Um. Kind of a weed update, but also a munchie update based on my recent trip to the grocery store last week. Um, in terms of weed, I've been smoking the Clout King Wagyu. I almost, almost blew through that. I'm trying to be good and not blow through it, but I'm about to just smoke the last of it because that shit was amazing i've been smoking this ted flash that's what i took a rip of earlier when i when i was packing the bowl that's what i was packing up that one is also really good very nice very very nice hi um I also got a quarter of 710 Labs flower. They're Randy Watson. I'm going to give that a try. Give that a gander here soon. And if I remember next week, I'll have to let you guys know how it went. Or next time I do an episode. Because there's not a guaranteed episode next week. It's whenever the fuck I watch this shit. Um, 
blew through my cannabiotics ayahuasca because that shit was so fucking good. Very, very delicious. Um, and then I just finished the Team Elite Genetics Rem de la Creme. That was, that was, I've been smoking for so long, it's very rare that weed actually, like, puts me to sleep, knocks me out. That creme de la creme is the one that did it. That was the one. But, those are the weed updates in terms of the munchy updates. Don't judge me for what I'm about to say, but they have these... First of all, if you're blessed enough to live near a grocery outlet, props to you. Hands down. You know what the rush is of going into a grocery outlet. And if you've never been, you have to. If you've never been and you live near a grocery outlet, you have to. I'm so sorry if you live in the Midwest. Because, A, personally, I don't believe the Midwest exists. Two, B, there's no grocery outlets in the Midwest. Sucks. I went to grocery outlet and I found Hello Kitty dry noodles. It's a brand called Asha, but they got the Hello Kitty branding, and I cannot tell you the name of a Hello Kitty character that's not Hello Kitty. Because I I I have a, I had a Hello Kitty face when I was in about first grade. I haven't had one since. So the concept of Hello Kitty girls, like that whole trend, it terrifies the fuck out of me. It scares me half to death. Because they weren't this intense when I was a first grader. They're very serious about their Hello Kittiness, Hello Kitty worship, if you will. But I have to agree with them when it comes to the food because I bought a box of the Hello Kitty dry noodles thinking that it was the Hello Kitty cup noodles that I had tried the first time I went to Grocery Outlet. Like the cup noodles, they just as good. But these dry noodles, they're like mandarin sauce dry noodles. They pop the fuck off. And let me tell you how I doctor it up. So I, I've i never had dry noodles before. I was really expecting like the stovetop version of the instant ramen. So I bought the whole box thinking that it was like the instant ramen. But the dry noodles, it elevated my, it changed my whole It altered my brain chemistry, if I have to put it lightly. But, um... Let me tell you, I... You boil it for three minutes and you put the sauce on it, but not only do I do that, I cook an egg, I scramble up an egg right quick, or while the noodles are like when the noodles are cooking in like that last minute and a half I'll crack an egg in there and let the egg cook with the noodles and then drain it all and then put it back in the bowl I put the sauce on it and then I squeeze hella sriracha on that bitch like I will be devastated if I don't find another box of Hello Kitty dry noodles because 
that's been like the only thing I want to eat for like the past week. And then when I was at grocery outlet, you can probably find this like not a grocery outlet, but I didn't know like Klondike, what would you do for a Klondike bar? I didn't know they made milkshakes. And I didn't know they made milkshakes that come in the little like applesauce pouches. So Yeah. Yeah. It's like the Klond it's called Klondike Shakes. They come in chocolate or vanilla. And they are ooh, man. It's like the joy of a milkshake without having to go get one or make one yourself and have like a whole mess in your kitchen plus there's like no dishes like you just eat the whole shake it's like it's like in a capri sun pouch it's so oh my god like let me tell you what i did let me let me tell you what the fuck i did i had some leftover cookie dough because the only thing i really know how to bake well is chocolate chip cookies like, I made a batch of chocolate chip cookies. That was the only thing I ate an entire weekend. Like, I will say, my chocolate chip cookies do put crumble to shame. Not even gonna lie. Honestly, crumble cookies are way too sweet for me. They're, they are too way too sweet. Like, they're good, but... Not my blood sugar. You know, like, let's tone it down a bit. But that that's kind of why I like making my own chocolate chip cookies, because they're not as sweet as crumbles. So that's why I put crumble to shame. Because, like, if anything's going to give me diabetes, I'm going to give it to myself. I feel like that's fucked up. I'm sorry. But. Yeah. Sorry. But. You get my point. You get my point. I made my own chocolate chip cookies, and then I had some leftover cookie dough. And I made those cookies. I baked those cookies. And what I did was, I cut the fucking pouch of the Klondike shake. I let it unthaw, because you're supposed to let it unthaw for three minutes. I cut the fucking top of it off. While the cookies were still hot, I cut the top of the, the Klondike shake off. I squeezed that milkshake out on top of the warm cookies. Man. Man. That's really all I got on the Munchie updates. Oh, but I will say, I actually have one last thing. Um, Trader Joe's. If you've been to a Trader Joe's, you get it. If you've never been to a Trader Joe's, everything you've heard about Trader Joe's is absolutely correct. They have these gentrified Takis. Like, they have their store brand version of Takis that actually are really fucking good. I feel, they're personal, personally, I feel like they are spicier. And they have like a little bit more kick and a little bit more tang than actual Takis, personally. I like them a little better than the actual Takis. I just wish, like... 
Trader Joe's had more, like, knockoff chip options. Because, like, what if I want, like, spicy nacho Doritos? Like, come on, TJ. Come on, Trader Joe. What? Like, knockoff Doritos or some shit. But I go cra- I just- I got, like- I go crazy when it comes to Trader Joe's. Like, the staples that stay in my freezer are the Mandarin Orange Chicken. I didn't get it this last time because I was like, I gotta restrain myself. I've had it too many times. I gotta restrain myself before I burn myself out. So I didn't get it this last time. But the Mandarin Orange Chicken with some rice. Every single time. Every single time. But, um... My new thing has been getting the shrimp and getting the fettuccine alfredo and doing a little shrimp alfredo combination. It takes, I eat the whole pot sometimes. Like sometimes I'll make that. I won't even get a bowl. I'll just stand on, over the stove, eat it straight from the pot. I could fuck up some shrimp alfredo. Next time I do a grocery run, I'll I'll do like another munchie rundown. Because Trader Joe's also has these chewy bars, like the granola bars, where they got the layer of chocolate on the bottom. It's like chocolate chip chewy bars, and then I got the layer of chocolate on the bottom. I don't know what chocolate they, they fucking use for that shit. I don't know if they went to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory personally and got that chocolate I don't know where the fuck they got that chocolate but that chocolate that they use on that fucking chewy bar I swear to god I don't know what it is as I get older the less processed foods I want to eat if that makes sense I don't know like I'll still fuck up like, you will still catch me in a fucking drive-thru somewhere, 100%, but, like, since I started living on my own, my mindset has been, the store brand is so much cheaper than the name brand, and it probably tastes a little better, too, so let me save some money. When you're an adult, you can't afford the name brand shit like you think you can. And store bought j- tastes just as store brand tastes just as good. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit. But yeah, let's get into the wrestling of it all. That that those are just my updates. It's a lot of updates. Um. I still need to watch Skin and Marink in the Outwaters. I didn't even know I wanted to see the Outwaters until I started reading reviews for the Outwaters. Same with Infinity Pool. I didn't know I wanted to see Infinity Pool until I started reading the reviews for Infinity Pool. And I've been hearing a lot of rumors about Scream 6. And I'm just kind of like... Like, I, I've, I've seen some spoilers... 
I've I've seen like all the new news. I've seen all the updates on Scream Six, and I'm kind of just sitting here like I will go to the theater on March 10th to personally find out what the fuck is going on myself. Because at this point, there somebody could be lying. Because, like... Hey. That spoiler didn't even make no fucking sense to me. I'm not gonna spoil it, obviously. But that spoiler made no fucking sense to me. B. They could be spoiling it ahead of time to kind of, like, throw people off. Like, you know how they do that? Like, throw off the scent? That could be what they're doing. Because, like, one ending got leaked. It doesn't mean it's the ending. Or the twist. You know, if that makes sense. So. I will find out myself when I go see Scream 6 in theaters. Because I, I, I hate he said, she said. I will go find out for myself. Don't tell me who said what, I will go find out for myself. And if the spoiler ends up being true, then, you know, they took an L on this one. I'm still just sitting here waiting for Evil Dead Rise, personally. Like, yeah, yeah. Evil Dead Rise is not going to disappoint me. Like, I I feel like Evil Dead Rise is not going to disappoint me. Because the remake was good. Army of Darkness was something. But Evil Dead is probably my favorite franchise of all time. Like, it has definitely surpassed Friday the 13th. Because I grew up loving Friday the 13th. It will always have a special place in my heart in terms of horror movies and horror franchises. But in terms of like watching and enjoying, Evil Dead does it for me every single time. So I'm very excited. Speaking of Friday the 13th, there's supposed to be a TV show coming out. They settled some rights because there was, like, a rights lawsuit with Friday the 13th. They couldn't do anything until they finished that lawsuit. And I guess they solved it. So now there's going to be a TV show coming to Peacock in the near future here. I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year. But it's coming. There's also going to be, like, a sequel remake of I Know What You Did Last Summer, which actually makes me happy. It makes me... That makes me very fucking happy, because if I didn't watch I Know What You Did Last Summer as a kid, I would not be the horror fan that I am today. So, very excited to watch that especially because they're doing like okay i'm excited that they're doing a remake sequel for i know what you did last summer because i feel like it's a franchise that doesn't get a lot of love but 
I feel like with the Halloween trilogy that just came out, the remake sequel concept is very hit or miss to me. Because, like, the, the first Halloween, they did it right. The the two following Halloweens kind of fell flat. Like, I recently rewatched Halloween Kills on Valentine's Day. And I will tell you right now, it didn't hold up like it did when I first saw it. Like, I really only like it in the concept of the gore and the violence. But the two other Halloweens definitely fall flat for me. And it sucks because that was like a trilogy I was super like highly anticipated. Highly, like it was. If you know me, it, I was very like I was very much highly anticipating those movies. First one was good. The second two kind of just they didn't do it for me. Although, like that first initial watch of Halloween Kills and like seeing. All of that Gordon Pylons for the first time definitely had me like, oh fuck. But like, if you go back and rewatch it a couple times, it's not as good as that first initial rewatch. I'm trying to think what else. I also heard that there was a Children of the Corn remake. And. I knew it was just not going to be good the minute I read that there was going to be a Children of the Corn remake. Because I'm just like... Prime example of dragging things out. Like, I have not seen any of the Children of the Corn sequels. But at this point, I'm glad... At this point, I am glad. Just like, I refuse, like, there are certain franchises I refuse to watch past a certain sequel just because I know how bad they are. Like, the Hellraiser movies, I refuse to watch three onward because I hear that they're so bad. Like, I only, I only count Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2, and the remake. Because the remake was actually really fucking good. The remake actually made me appreciate the original Hellraiser a lot more. If I'm not lying here. What other, I'm trying to think of what other franchises. I, I don't acknowledge A Nightmare on Elm Street outside of Freddy vs. Jason, if I'm being honest. Because it just... I could do without it. Like, I only really care for Final Destination 3 out of the Final Destinations. Because it's just the one I watched the most growing up. It's so weird. 
I've never met a remake I didn't like, but the remake, the concept of a remake continuing a story of a franchise is starting to be like hit or miss and played out for me. Because it's just. As much as I am excited for a new I Know What You Did Last Summer, I really just... And, like, bringing, like, ah, this this trend of doing remake sequels and bringing old characters back. Why? Like, Texas Chainsaw. The one that they just did. It was absolutely dog shit. You can't really bring Sally... Like... Unless you're bringing Marilyn Burns back from the dead, bringing Sally back as a legacy character, not gonna work. Sure, bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode was phenomenal in terms of storytelling. Like, as much as I'm, like, starting to hate the most recent Halloween trilogy, what they did in terms of, like, telling Michael and Lori's story and telling Michael and Lori's story alone. That was probably the only good thing that came of the Halloween trilogy. And, like, the fact that we got Jamie Lee Curtis back. Like, that's kinda how you do a remake sequel if you're gonna do it. Storytelling-wise. Like, the story in terms of the Halloween trilogy, it was there. The execution, not so much. What other remake sequels did they do? Candyman? That was actually a really good example of a remake sequel. Really good. Who else? I can't think of any more right now, so let's just get into the wrestling of it all. Yeah, you know what I know in terms of horror, and let me tell you, I have not made any headway on my um, 2023 horror list, but um, know that I will be going on a horror binge here soon, because On Demand has some bangers. I will for sure be doing that. But, um, my first question right out the gate. My question right out the gate is, which wrestlers smoke weed? I'm not talking, like, the ones who make it painfully obvious, like Rob Van Dam or Matt Riddle, but... Which wrestlers smoke weed? Because Finn Balor was on Raw. I watched I watched Raw. I watched everything the week leading up to Elimination Chamber. I watched everything post I was gonna say prior. Everything post Elimination Chamber. Like those two weeks I watched them all in this past Saturday Sunday um schedule here. Um, Finn was talking about rolling up one of the Street Profits and smoking them, so that just really made me think, 
which wrestler smoke weed for real? Now, like, he can't say that and not expect me to believe that he doesn't smoke weed, doesn't partake in anything. You can't tell me with... You can't tell me none of those wrestlers smoke weed. They probably can't say anything about it. But you can't tell me nobody on a WWE or an AEW roster doesn't smoke weed. You cannot, cannot fool me. Because, I went to CBS recently. I went to CVS recently, and I bought a $10 bottle of perfume, which I am pretty sure... they Okay, they have this brand, these this brand of perfume called Perfect Scents, and they are inspired by all of these expensive perfumes that you would have to buy at, like, Sephora or Ulta or wherever you get your perfumes, order it online or whatever. You cannot sit up here and tell me they did not put the actual perfume in that bottle and sell it for $10 at CVS. Just like you can't tell me there's nobody on an AEW or a WWE roster or an independent wrestler out there that doesn't smoke weed or hasn't partaken. I'm not going to say there's no wrestlers out there that don't smoke weed currently, you can't tell me there's wrestlers out there who haven't smoked weed in the past. Everybody's done it. At least once. I can't speak on current usage. Because that's what I'm curious about is current usage. Past usage. Everybody's done it. At least once. But I just need to know. For purposes. And speaking of the Street Profits, when are they going to hold the Tag Team Championships? Uh, this year, perhaps? Like, obviously the Usos are going to be... Like, let me put it out there. Nobody's losing their belts before WrestleMania. Nobody's losing their belts before WrestleMania. But if, if we're talking, like, after WrestleMania, when are we going to put the belts on Street Profits? I feel like it's what the people want. It's like, give the people what they want. Street Profits as tag champions. Like, I'm gonna give them leeway right now. I'm gonna give Hunter some leeway right now because, you know, it's it's the road to WrestleMania. Nobody's gonna lose their belts before WrestleMania. I can respect that. But after the event itself, I'm gonna have to have some conversations. Not really, because they don't pay me, and I don't know Triple H myself, but I'm going to have to have some conversations. Now, still talking about the Raw before Elimination Chamber. When Sami Zayn called out Cody Rhodes... When Sami Zayn called out Cody Rhodes, that was a prime example of what I was saying when I 
brought up the idea of shortening Cody Rhodes' entrance. All of that doesn't need to happen every time Cody Rhodes comes out. Like, he could have just walked out normally. Like, I can understand him making his entrance the Raw after the Royal Rumble being the number one contender to the Universal titles. Like, I can understand making your entrance there. Sami Zayn just called you out to have a conversation in the ring. You did not need to do all that. Have the smoke, the fog, the song. You didn't need to be doing all that just to have a conversation with him in the ring. You could have just walked out. Saved the TV time. It, I, I just, I am on a very small island of people that feels as if Cody Rhodes' entrance is too long. And doesn't need to happen unnecessarily. Now, now here, okay, wait a minute. Now I'm thinking about it and I'm getting angry. I'm getting angry because Co- Go ahead, Cody make his entrance. You had Cody, the, the way that they set that, okay, in retrospect, now that I'm thinking about it, the way that they set that up had me so fucking, what the fuck? Okay. Cody did all that extra shit to walk out to talk to Sammy. He had to do his whole entrance to walk out to talk to Sammy. But when they do an impromptu match with him and Baron Corbin, they just cut the entrance and let him fight in his street clothes? What would have worked better personally, in my opinion, is if they had just... If Cody had just walked out to talk to Sammy minus the entrance and then they saved the entrance and actually gave Baron Corbin and Cody Rhodes like an actual match. I understand not wanting Cody to get injured before WrestleMania. Like, I understand not wanting anybody to get injured before their big match at WrestleMania. But, I mean, we... Cody ain't got to do all that every time he comes to the ring. Not every time. Like, I'm not saying take the man's entrance away, but if he's just going to talk to somebody in the ring, surely he doesn't have to do it every single time, you know? This, This doesn't have to happen every week. He can just walk out. With the microphone. It's fine. It's fine. Now. Seth Rollins in those goddamn boots. I am so sick of seeing those goddamn boots. Like, everybody looks like that fucking monkey from Dora the Explorer. That's it. I'm so tired. When Seth walked out with those boots, I had a, a migraine. It immediately gave me a migraine. I was so fucking... I was so... I can't. I can't with these fucking boots. I've had enough. I've had enough of these goddamn boots. I can't do it anymore. But, 
I know that that is probably going to be Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania. And I really hate that is probably going to be a really good match. Because as much as I don't care about Logan Paul as a person and, like, what he does and what he promotes because it's just, it gives spoiled, entitled white boy to me. But I'm not going to sit up here and lie and say that he's not impressive in the ring because every match he's had in WWE has been really fucking good. Like, he's not a bad athlete. He's just an entitled, entitled, spoiled white boy that gets what he wants, just like his brother. So that's why I just don't give a fuck about Logan Paul and what he has to say. Just, you know, be, do what men do. Go out there. Be sweaty. Go do what men do. Contribute something to society. At least. Like, he can go hunt and gather. That That's what men should be doing, hunting and gathering. Like, men are always out here talking about, oh, women should be in the kitchen, da-da-da-da-da. Women should be doing this, women should be doing that. Men should be out in the wilderness hunting and gathering. Shouldn't, like, next time a man asks, tells me to smile more, I'm going to ask him, shouldn't he be in a forest somewhere skinning a fish? Like, I will, tell me one more time what a woman should be doing. Go out in the, go, go hunt a bear. Go forage for berries. Go forage for whatever it is in the wilderness. Jesus. But, um, it is so crazy how Seth Rollins has not main-evented a WrestleMania. And I saw on Twitter, someone posted a good concept here, that Seth Rollins should get a Roman Reigns-level title reign. And I have to agree. I forget who said it. But... I would like to see Seth Rollins at least main event a WrestleMania and at least get, like, some sort of iconic title reign before he retires. Like, could- okay. Could you imagine if the belts were split and Seth was champion while he had his current gimmick? Like, the man is already chaotic as fuck. But could you imagine how unhinged he would be with this gimmick if he had the belt? Both belts, even. Oh, God. Like, the visionary Seth Rollins, but as universal or undisputed champion, if you will. That's a concept right there. tag teams to show out at Wrestlemania. I want like a tag team battle royal 
for like some number one contendership ness because if Kevin and Sammy do end up teaming up to face the Usos at WrestleMania for the tag titles, the concept of not only the Usos being dethroned by Kevin and Sammy, but the concept of tag team champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn fighting Elias and Rick Books. Something I didn't know that I wanted. Like, Elias and Rick Boogs together? That, I did not... I didn't know I wanted that. Like, that, that's crazy that they're doing that. I'm so glad that they're doing that. And if we're coming back to Sami Zayn and the Bloodline... I'm going to say this now because I feel like everything is about to come to an end at WrestleMania. And if it drags on past WrestleMania, they are definitely in Connecticut sucking their own dicks for whatever reason. Um, The Bloodline has got to be... Keep in mind, I have been watching WWE for over a decade, like a little over a decade. Granted, there was a period of time that I didn't watch because everything was shitty. But I've been watching, I've been aware of the existence of WWE for a while now. Even prior to that, from childhood, when I didn't even know what the fuck was going on. The Bloodline has got to be one of the best things they have ever done. Like, I've gone back and watched old compilations. I've gone back and watched old pay-per-views. I've gone back and watched, like, moments in history, like, top tens. Like, I've done my fair share of WWE research. So I'm at least aware of the shit that I missed out on. The Bloodline has to be number one in things that they've done. Like, there is a period of WWE prior to the Bloodline and a period of WWE after the bloodline. Like, I can't even imagine what WWE is gonna look like once all of this bloodline stuff is wrapped up. Because when I went back and watched all of those Royal Rumbles, I was like, there really was a period in time in WWE before the Shield and after the Shield. Like, I watched the, the t- like, the times change kind of, like, pre-Shield to post-Shield. It was very weird. But now, like, even seeing, like, post-shield, the post-shield era becoming, like, the pre-bloodline era is fucking crazy to think about. Like, the entire storytelling of this whole concept has been A1. But I'm also gonna sit up here and say I can't wait for this shit to end at Wrestlemania because I am so tired I am so tired of it all I am so tired of it all
Like, it's it's been amazing. It's been an amazing ride. But I would like to get off. I am tired. I am exhausted. I'm kind of just like, how is this shit going to end? How are they going to wrap this up? Like, you know that... They, like, for those who have seen Chappelle's show, you know the sh- the wrap-it-up sketch? That's kind of where I'm at with the bloodline right now. Like, it's beautifully written. I'm so sad they aren't eligible for awards, because this would have won all the awards in terms of storytelling, and it still is. But I am tired. How are they going to wrap this up at WrestleMania? That, that is just the question I have. Because... Nobody is losing their titles before WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes is probably going to dethrone Roman Reigns. Because if Roman Reigns holds the titles past WrestleMania, I am probably going to rip my hair out. Like, it's amazing storytelling, but I am exhausted. I, like, dragging it out past WrestleMania would be the worst thing that they could do. Like, if Cody Rose does not dethrone Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, what the fuck are we gonna do? Like, if Kevin and Sammy don't take the titles off the Usos at WrestleMania, what are we gonna do? I'm tired. I'm so tired. Now, I will say, in terms of Elimination Chamber, because now we're transitioning to Elimination Chamber. I knew for a fact... Two two things I knew for a fact. Elimination Chamber was going to be mid as fuck. And Sami Zayn was not walking out of Elimination Chamber with the title. Because they weren't fucking up that main event of Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. Or, no. They weren't fucking up that main event of Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. First off. Let's be 100% on that. Unless they did a repeat of, like, Kofi Mania. Or when everybody was pushing for Daniel Bryan to win the titles that won WrestleMania. It was never gonna happen. Now, I'm not going to say this past Elimination Chamber was predictable, but when I tell you it was mid, if we exclude the women's elimination, like, if we exclude both Elimination Chamber matches and Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn, it was pretty mid. And I'm not even going to lie to you, there's a piece of wrestling history in my history, in my history that I forgot about, because... The last time I watched an Elimination Chamber pay-per-view is when I watched it out of spite because it was happening at the Oracle Arena and I couldn't go, like nobody would buy tickets for me, so I just watched it at home out of spite because I was upset that I couldn't be there. That was 2011. I've not watched, this is the first Elimination Chamber I have watched since because they built it up to be so fire, but it ended up being, like, it was bad. It was so bad. It was, like, so mid. It wasn't bad. It was just so, it was, like, it was the most anticlimactic filler episode. That's a better way to put it. It wasn't bad. It was just so anticlimactic.
Am I tripping? Was Madcap Moss not in the elim men's elimination chamber? Am I, I am having a, a moment. I thought he was in it. I'm so... Damn. That's crazy. But, um... Oscar winning was the right move. I don't really give a shit about whatever the fuck Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar was. Like, whatever the fuck. As much as I was so hyped for Edge and Beth Phoenix and the Judgment Day, this, what I'm about to say, it's not coming from a place of me being a bitter single person, but I feel like having couples team up in wrestling, whether it's like storyline or like actual tag team matches, it doesn't do anything for the storyline except, like, saying, hey, we're married, and we're wrestlers. We're ready for a fight. It just, I f in a way, it personally takes away from the match. Like, I, it's just, when The Miz teams with Maurice, Edge and Beth Phoenix together, like, when... They tried to have Seth and Becky have a tag team for a minute. Like, it all. When I tell you the only, like, on screen, off screen couple that really works is Karrion Cross and Scarlet, hands down. Like, that, that's the only. Yeah. That's the only one that really works. The rest of it is. Because it's just like. With Karrion Cross and, Scar and Scarlet, it's like, you wouldn't know that they're married unless you knew that they were married, but it's just, it seems like they kind of like, group the couples together because everybody knows that they're married. Like, they, like when Seth and Becky got together, they milked the fuck out of that, and they're still low-key milking the fuck out of that with... The WrestleMania commercial. I'm not saying that that Wrestle. There's nothing. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, or the WrestleMania commercial isn't funny. But it's just like there comes a point where it becomes too obvious that they're in a relationship, or they're trying to like milk the fact that they're in a relationship. Like, at the end of the day, I don't turn on Raw, SmackDown, or Dynamite to be like, oh, I wonder what happened in Seth and Becky's personal life this week. You know, how are they going to be, when are they going to team up on screen this week, you know? Like, that's, like, I don't know, wrestlers' personal lives, I think I've been saying this since the beginning of the podcast, but wrestlers' personal lives have been, like, the last thing on my radar in terms of wrestling. Like, yeah, I follow them on social media and I see their lives, but that's just always been the last thing. It's mainly to see who wins what.
and who's who's doing what in terms of what's going on on the television. Because, you know, I come from a mindset of it's none of my business and I don't know them personally. So the last thing I really want to invest my time in is the personal lives of people I don't know about. And I would rather not see it on my TV. You know, it's just... Sometimes it works when you bring real-life relationships onto the screen. Sometimes it doesn't. Like, I don't know why, but it's just whatever's going on with Mad Cat Moss and Emma, it's making me cringe. Like, that's a prime example of it's very obvious they're together in real life. And there's no other things that they have for them in creative so I am just very curious now with Austin Theory retaining his United States title who is he going to face at Wrestlemania for the United States title because I doubt at this point that it's going to be John Cena like I feel like everybody says it's going to be John Cena because it really is not Wrestlemania without John Cena but it's getting to a point where, like, John Cena isn't really needed, you know? I feel like, I feel like, thank you. I don't know why, I don't know why, but I mainly feel like, kind of connecting to my last tangent about, like, wrestling couples being, like, the prime showcase of things. I feel like we're getting to a point where, like, all of these legends and Hall of Famers utilizing them is starting to get played out, in a sense. At least for me, I'm starting to get burnt out on legends and Hall of Famers making their returns. Because, yeah, it was cool to see Edge and Beth Phoenix um, team up. And sure, they can entertain a new generation of wrestlers, but it's like, coming from someone who kind of watched Beth in her prime and watched Edge, like, in the tail end where he was forced to retire, it's kind of like, you know, I get it. But I mean, hey, to entertaining a new generation of fans. These people don't know that these people are together, which is fair. Not dissing that, but I personally just don't care for it. I wonder what the fuck is going on with Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. I hope that was like... They always build up Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar as these big matches that are going to pop off and blow the roof off the place. But they end up, like, being so not that. Like, it just, they build up Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar to be something so huge, so marquee, and then it just takes a fucking nosedive like that was fucking every 
Every Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar match in recent history has definitely sucked. I don't know what they're trying to prove. I don't know what they're trying to set up or whatever, what story they're trying to tell there. But I hope that was the end of it because that was terrible. What the fuck was that? Elimination Chamber was definitely like one of the worst filler episodes. I'm not going to lie. Um, however, I will say, in terms of this whole storyline, Sammy and Kevin are really good at making me almost cry. Because I literally, when when Kevin told Sammy, if you need help taking down the bloodline, go ask your friend Jay, I was... He had me fucked up. I... And I took that personally, Loki. Like, where, where did you pull that from? Where, where did you pull that line from? Like, come on, what the fuck, Kevin? I did like, I do like whatever they're doing with the Miz and Seth Rollins to kind of set up Logan Paul and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Because I didn't even realize that The Miz was Logan Paul's first opponent. So it does make sense that The Miz is taunting Seth Rollins. And I haven't watched Raw yet. I haven't seen anything about Monday Night Raw yet. But if anybody loses their titles before WrestleMania, it makes sense that it's a damage control. And I'm not saying that to shit on damage control, but, like, there's really nothing going on with the women's tag team titles. There's nothing going on with the women's tag team division. I feel like damage control is really the only women's tag team in WWE right now. So, if Becky and Lita did win the women's tag team titles, then, like, set up some sort of triple threat or fatal four-way tag team match for the titles again. I'm honestly, I, I'm really hoping that Becky and Lita took the titles off of damage control, because I just, I feel like they did all that work to lobby for the women's women's tag titles just for them to be pointless like they might as well be they might as well have just joined the 24/7 championship cuz it's just I mean Ronda and Shayna are another tag team but that's really just it there's no like there's no solid women's tag team division like there is a, the men's tag team division. And that makes no sense when they have these women's tag belts that they're not doing anything with. Like, How does NXT have a stronger women's tag division than the main roster? Come on now. 
I mean, NXT is technically the main roster now, but still, like, in terms of all the brands, NXT has the stronger women's tag division. I don't even watch NXT on a regular basis. Because I, f- I wonder, like... And talk about somebody who needs to main event at WrestleMania. Fucking Bailey. Because even though Becky was taking a dig at Bailey, she did make a good point. Why hasn't Bailey main evented at WrestleMania? Bailey and Seth both need to main event WrestleManias. Like, I would live for a Bailey WrestleMania main event. Like, Bailey main eventing WrestleMania, or like Seth main eventing WrestleMania. Because the year that he won the Royal Rumble, he didn't even main event WrestleMania. Fucking Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte did. He won the Royal Rumble and opened WrestleMania. I. Wow. Now that I think about it. One of my favorite highlights of SmackDown, though, was Kofi Kingston and LA Knight. That was fun. That was very fun. I enjoyed that a lot. And of course, whatever's going on with the bloodline, I do feel like Jay is eventually just going to... Because they got they gotta set up Kevin and Sammy versus Jay and Jimmy for the tag titles of WrestleMania. So Jay is eventually going to make his alliance with the Bloodline. You know what else I'm predicting for WrestleMania? I am predicting an Uncle Howdy unmasking. We're going to find out who Uncle Howdy is at WrestleMania because I'll, I'll be damned if Bray Wyatt doesn't get a moment at WrestleMania with Uncle Howdy and Alexa, too. Like, could you imagine? I feel like the Wyatt Six is probably going to come together at WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania in Hollywood. You know how Bray Wyatt with his... You know how Bray Wyatt is with his theatrics. We're going to get... The Wyatt Six at WrestleMania or an Uncle Howdy unmasking. And as much as I love Bianca, I don't think Bianca is going to beat Oscar for the title at WrestleMania. Charlotte and Rhea is kind of hit or miss. I feel like Rhea might win, though. I feel like. All of the champions going in are going to lose their titles at WrestleMania because this is a WrestleMania in Hollywood. If anybody retained their titles at this WrestleMania, Hunter would be a dead man. Like, I also wonder... If we're also going to get the Rey Mysterio and Dominic match at WrestleMania 2, I feel like that's what's... I feel like that's what they're leading up to as well, too. So, 
my predictions thus far for WrestleMania, if all of the champions don't, like, all of the champions lose their titles, like Roman, Charlotte, Bianca, they're all losing their titles at WrestleMania. Because you cannot... Okay, Roman Reigns has held the titles for like two years. Give the man a break. Like that that man is tired. Give him a break. Let him lose at WrestleMania. Give give that give that man a break. Like Roman Reigns needs a break. So if Cody Rhodes d- Cody Rose is going to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Give him a break. That's just it. Rhea is going to beat Charlotte. Because you cannot have her enter the Royal Rumble at number one. Win the whole damn thing just for her to lose to Charlotte. Like. I would be so pissed if Charlotte retains. I would be absolutely livid if Charlotte retained. As much as I love Bianca as champion, I really don't think she's going to beat Asuka. I really don't. Austin Theory, he's going to have a match at WrestleMania. I just don't know against who for the titles. Kevin and Sammy are definitely going to dethrone the Usos at WrestleMania. We're going to find out who the Wyatt Six are. If not... Uncle Howdy reveal. Gunther. I wonder who Gunther's gonna face at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental title. Because I feel like... Gunther, Gunther should be the only one retaining at WrestleMania. But I also wouldn't be upset if he... Lost his title at WrestleMania either. Sheamus and Drew McIntyre are gonna have big roles at WrestleMania. If not role if not big roles, some role at WrestleMania. There's probably going to be some bullshit battle royal in the pre-show. I bet you. Some celebrity involvement. Can't tell me there's not going to be celebrity involvement. And that's it. That's that's all I got for my WrestleMania predictions. I, I really hope they get Stephen A. Smith, though. Because if they don't get Stephen A. Smith, then what the fuck was the point of all of this? And then I just saw... I, I pulled up the WrestleMania 39 card. I saw that Brock Lesnar and Omaos... 
I would have thought I would have rather feel like Braun Strowman versus Omos would have been better, but that's just me. I definitely feel like they're also, like, if there's not a tag team battle royal or fatal four-way for the number one contenders to the tag team titles, there's going to be some sort of fatal four-way triple threat for the women's tag team titles. I know I just repeated myself, but I'm trying to gather all my thoughts in one place. I also bet on Hulk Hogan bringing back his Hollywood Hulk Hogan persona. Like, if they can't get The Rock, pretty sure they're going to get Hulk Hogan to do the Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Now, in terms of AEW, I am going again here on March 8th, the Dynamite After Revolution. It hasn't set in yet. It'll probably set in, like, the day of that I'm going. But, thankfully, it's closer this time. And I am excited. Like, I'm excited, but it hasn't, like, settled in that I'm going just yet. But, um... I feel like this time around, I know what to expect since I went to the Fresno show and I'm a little bit more prepared and I'm more excited because there's a chance that I actually might get to see Jamie Hayter and John Moxley because that was the only downside of the Fresno show. Neither of them were there. That sucked. Um, but yes, very excited to potentially see Jamie Hayter and... John Moxley. Definitely excited to see Revolution on the big screen because if you've never gotten to see an AEW pay-per-view on the big screen, it is honestly worth the experience. Like, I did it for shits and giggles on an impulsive whim for All Out, and it was probably one of the best experiences I had in my life. It was actually really fucking cool. So I'm probably going to do it again for Revolution. Expect a vlog, like I said earlier. But um, in terms of everything leading up to Revolution, it's kind of been like... I low-key see the vision, but I think the vision is very boring. Like, I definitely knew that when Tony put the belts on the guns, he was setting something up for, for Revolution. Like... Hunter is not like Tony, where he will have a team drop the belts prior to a major pay-per-view. But I, it's just, they were definitely setting up, there was definitely a setup. There was definitely a setup. And I'm actually really sad I'm not going to Revolution in person because I would have loved to see John Moxley and Hangman Page do that um, Texas Death Match. 
But I feel like it's just... In terms of Dynamite, what's not really... In terms of Dynamite and Rampage, what's not really doing it for me is... The storylines and the championships. Because... For one, the trios belts. This is this is what has just aggravated me the most about the trios belts. Hold on. had the elite the elite started the company you had the elite win be the inaugural trio champions suspend them just to have them win the trios belts again when there's so many more trios teams in the locker room. It's like a self-insert fan fiction if I've ever seen one. Trust and believe, I've read a lot of fan fiction in my lifetime. I was raised by Tumblr. But you can't tell me there's nothing sus about having the elite be the inaugural trio's tag team champions. Then have them come back from suspension just to win them again. It makes no sense to me. So, like, the fact that teams, like, I'm so glad that the House of Black, I, I feel like I said it in a past episode. I, I just, I don't have the patience to go back. And listen to what episode it was. There was an episode in the past where I was like, set up the Elite versus the House of Black for the trio's titles. And we're finally getting it. But I feel like that best of seven series for the trio's titles was completely unnecessary. Where, like... Do you know how many other teams could have been holding the trio's belts between the Elite's return and Revolution? Hell, the best friends could have been trio's champions. Like, I didn't mind Death Triangle as trio champions, but... There's so many other teams that could have been trios champions in the absence of the elite. So many other trios matches that could have happened in place of that best of seven series because it was the same match. Eight times if we included, was it double or nothing the last pay-per-view before Revolution? Or full gear. 
Was it full gear? Yeah, no, it was full gear. Um, it was. It's just. It's so unnecessary how the trio's titles are handled. Um, the TBS title. I've got mixed feelings about the TBS title because, first of all, for Jade Cargill to have an undefeated streak and have that same undefeated streak be her exact number of matches in AEW and for her to be one of the longest reigning black female champions in the modern era. 10 out of 10. 100%. However, there's nobody they've really built up who can really dethrone Jade. Chris Statlander's out with an injury, and Jamie Hayter is our women's champion, so there's really no one that can dethrone Jade right now. And I feel like Jade is at a point where she really is above the TVS championship. Like, she said it herself, she should be up there with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter going after the women's title, and I definitely agree with her because with how long she's been undefeated and how long her reign as TBS champion has been, like, she can definitely go with Jamie Hayter. Like, it is so fucking crazy to me. Blows my mind. It sucks because Chris Statlander really is the only person that could probably dethrone Jade. And then what else do we have? I don't know. I don't have any qualms with the TNT championship. I feel like the TNT championship is the only championship I really am like alright with. What other... There's no women's tag team championships in AEW. I have no qualms with our women's champion either, but our 
the world champion is, in his own words, starting to get mid to me. And I know that I sound fickle because I was just praising MJF and saying how it's well-deserved. And it is. Like, it's just... Not saying that it's not well-deserved, but I just... I don't know why, but I expected more from his championship reign from how much he was whining about it. I just, I've, granted it's his character, I have to keep in mind that it is his character and just his gimmick, but I would just, for someone who really wanted that championship, I would expect more from a title run, but that's just me. Kind of further proves my point that John Moxley is probably the best AEW world champion to exist. But, I mean, not gonna knock MJF's hard work and his effort. I'm not saying, like, he, I'm not saying he should drop the belts. I'm not saying. Not knocking the man, not saying he should drop the belt, not saying he's a bad wrestler. I just expected more from his title reign, but with the gimmick he has, I don't know why I expected more. It's like what I envision Logan Paul to be, but like worse. Well, let's let's kind of look what else happened in the world of AEW. I don't really wow. We're really getting AEW in the Bay Area, even though I fucking complained. Okay, now MJF versus Brian Danielson. don't know because Brian Danielson I feel he could definitely he could definitely win this 100% he can win this but I also see MJF like finding a way to cheat at the last minute but with the story that is being told right now between MJF and Brian Danielson. From 
the context clues I have gathered from past MJF encounters in AEW. It's like he's trying to overcompensate for what he can't do. Therefore, he has to cheat to win, right? So, I feel like MJF is going to extreme lengths to get pity or to, or if you want to call it that, um... But whatever you want to call it, MJF is going to extreme lengths to get it. To kind of prove why he's deserving of retaining his title, but continues to prove why he is more than undeserving of the title. If that makes sense. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say I'm sure MJF is a nice guy because I said that about my ex and that is the reason I am diagnosed with PTSD. Um, now, it's just, it's hard to tell because MJF could find a way to cheat to win because, again, he would find a way to not only prove, but overcompensate. Because I feel like MJF's gimmick is just overcompensation. It's just... MJF's gimmick is everything I hate about men. Just wrapped into... That. So I just, part of me is rooting for him to lose, but a part of me feels like he definitely has something up his sleeve to retain. So in a way, I fear for Brian Danielson. I don't think he's going to win, but I don't see why Brian Danielson wouldn't win. But I don't think MJF is losing this one. He's going to find a way to win. Because, let me pull up the Iron Man match. With the most falls at the end of that time, name the victor. So, Iron Man match is essentially a hockey match. But an hour, an hour long hockey match. Okay. That makes more sense, if we put it in that perspective. I don't know, I feel like MJF and Brian, Brian Danielson can just go either way. Now, the guns, this four-way tag team match for the tag team championship, A, is exactly what I feel like they're going to do for the women's tag team championships at Wrestlemania and what they should do for a number one contendership here soon for the tag team titles after Wrestlemania because they're going to have to 
But I guess we don't know who TBD is. We'll find out who TBD is this coming week, I guess. But I knew when the Guns won the tag team titles, I was setting up something for a revolution because there really was just no buildup until that moment. But I unfortunately don't think the Acclaimed are going to win back the titles. The Guns are either going to retain, but I can't really say anything else because I need to find out who the fourth team involved is and we won't find out until this week because I can't remember if we find out Wednesday or Friday. But either way, I don't really have an opinion on this. Until I find out who the fourth tag team is. I really hope. I'm really sad that it wasn't Aussie Open. Because imagine had it been Aussie Open instead of Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. But I get it. Storyline wise, I get it. Nobody wanted it. So that's exactly what we got. That makes the most sense. But definitely the acclaimed are not ret- are not coming out of this match with the titles. I don't think so. I think the guns are going to retain or Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett are going to win. But it really, I don't know who the fourth team is, so I don't really have a full say on this. You know what? MJF and Brian Danielson might come to a draw. Just like John Moxley and Hangman Page might come to a, dra- a draw. If Moxley doesn't win, I definitely feel like it's coming to a draw. Because, okay, that makes the most sense. I couldn't, I, I couldn't remember what it was called. I couldn't remember what it... <sighs> I'm having a time. I'm having a moment. MJF and Brian Danielson is coming to a draw. I couldn't remember what exactly it was called, but I feel like it was just, it was going to go either way. Either one of them could have won, but I feel like it's too soon for MJF to lose the belt. It's going to come to a draw. Just like Mox and Adam Page, if Moxley doesn't win. Because I feel like Moxley is going to win this one. And it's going to be bloody. It's going to be chaotic. Samoa Joe and Wardlow. I feel like this should have ended already. This this is something that definitely should have. I thought I thought they were done with this one personally. But I get I guess it's fine. And no disrespect to Wardlow, I forgot. I didn't even know he was gone. I feel so bad for saying that. I didn't even know he was gone. I was very confused when he showed up. I was like... It it didn't click that he was gone until he showed up again.
but um I I really thought they were done. I'm I'm so sorry. I I I I wish I could care about this one, but I feel like this should have this should have came to a close a while ago. Then we got Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. I'm actually not upset at this one because personally, everything Chris I Chris Jericho's in my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, so I'm obviously. I'm a fan of every Chris Jericho match because he does put on a banger every single time. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, no, I, I, you know... I actually don't know if this is long-term storytelling that's finally coming to a close. Like, if this is just anything prior to the Jericho Appreciation Society forming and prior to me watching AEW, but, you know, this is going to actually be a banger of a match, Chris Jericho and Ricky Starks. I feel like Ricky might actually win this. He for sure might win this one. I have faith. Then we got Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho. Now, I don't think Soraya is going to win. And as much as I don't want Jamie Hayter to lose the title, the thought of Ruby Soho coming out the victor in this match doesn't upset me either. But I really hate, like, whatever story they've been trying to tell with this AEW homegrown originals versus the AEW freelancers, whatever story they've been trying to tell, it's not been telling. It's been, I don't know what the fuck they're trying to do, but they're not doing it, if I'm being honest. It's, it's not, like, in my opinion, what what's really not doing it for me, Tony Storm is not believable as a heel. Like, I believe Soraya as a heel. Soraya. Soraya. I don't know which... I forgot which way it was because I literally just went on a binge of Hey EW and they said her name. But I'm, pro- I'm probably butchering it again. But I believe Soraya as a heel. However, Tony Storm is not really believable as a heel. 
And this was only going to make sense if it led to a blood and guts match. Like, if you really wanted to drive the point home of, well, Soraya and her neck. Never mind, I get it. But if you really wanted to drive the point home of AEW Homegrown Originals versus AEW Freelancers, you would have put them in a blood and guts match. But... Soraya's neck. Damn. What could have been? What could have been? And then the Elite versus the House of Black. I really just, out of spite, hope that the House of Black beat the Elite. Because it just... Why would you have them win, suspend them, bring them back, and have them win the belts again? If the House of Black do not take the belts off these men... Like, I, I don't know what it is, but the Elite rubbed me the wrong way. I don't care if I don't know them personally and I'm sure they're excellent people and I'm sure they have contributed a lot to the world of wrestling. I'm not gonna knock their accomplishments and their talent but when something rubs me the wrong way it rubs me the wrong way. I don't care how famous you are if I know you personally if I or or not like if it rubs me the wrong way it will rub me the wrong way and the elite rub me the wrong fucking way That feeling usually never lies, too. If I feel weird about something or someone, usually turns out to be weird as fuck. And I'm gonna end it on that note. Um, appreciate you guys for sticking it out through the ride. I'm high as fuck, so I don't really know what else to say at this point. That's all I really got. Appreciate you guys for sticking it out through the ride. If you're still here as a listener, I appreciate you. If you're a new listener, I also appreciate you. Welcome to this chaotic ride. Um, You know where to find me. I'll catch you on the next one.